This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, our topics include animals, history, science, and fashion, news from around the world, and we'll open up the mailbag. It's totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode one. Here we go. This is so exciting. Season four. Who knew there'd be this much useless information? I can't believe that we are in season number four. Folks, thank you so much for listening. It's because of you that we have 60 some odd shows and counting. So let's get right into the animal section here. What do we have? We have sardines. Do you like sardines on your pizza? I hate sardines on my pizza. Pizza is cheese, sauce, and dough. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is not about pizza. This is about animals. Sardines are not fish. Sardines is a generic term applied to a number of different kinds of small saltwater fish, which are prepared, cooked, and packed in a very special way. Sardines are actually canned herring, and the main sardine is the Atlantic herring. Yes, I've heard that, and that's something else, too, like herring and... Copia harangus. The old polka harangus. I had that once <laughs> yeah, in but, high school. Yeah, you did. And with a little penicillin, it went away real fast. <laughs> the old hocus pocus apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. There is a prawn, a prawn, I tell you, called the pistol shrimp that is capable of creating a sonic boom. I think we spoke about this. But we, I didn't know that this is in the prawn family and that the sound that it makes when it snaps its claw together is 230 decibels. It also creates heat because it's moving so fast, the friction in the water creates heat. That's one noisy-ass crab. <laughs> yeah. I think you get rid of that with a shot, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I sense a theme coming to the show today. Spiders do, <laughs> believe it or not, maybe you believe this, but we're going to uh, squash this myth. Spiders do not fly. Spiders have no wings, but they can take to the air nonetheless. They'll climb to an exposed point, expose their abdomens to the sky, and extrude strands of silk and float away. This behavior is called ballooning. Spiders have been found two and a half miles up in the air and up to a thousand miles out to sea. Dolphins are cool. They are so cool that they play with the deadly puffer fish in the water. And they get them to release... Get ready for this, Nick. They get them to release their deadly toxins into the water. Then the dolphin swallows just enough of the toxins to get themselves high. They get stoned off the pufferfish, kind of like the monkeys when we were talking about the monkey juice where they drink it from the leaves and they get stoned. Listen, all of these animals are getting stoned. We didn't know this until now. They're going around. That's why they're so cool dolphins, because they they actually get stoned from the pufferfish poison. They also listen to a lot of Pink Floyd albums when they're doing it. (laughs) wow listen to the pretty whale noises (laughs) (laughs) there are rabbits that they use for rabbit jumping 
Rabbit show jumping in Swedish, it's kaninen hopping, also known as rabbit hopping. Kaninen hopping. It is modeled after horse show jumping on a scale to suit rabbits. Rabbit jumping started in Sweden in the early 1970s when the first rabbit club started to arrange rabbit jumping competitions. At that time, the rules were based on the rules from horse jumping, but were later reformed to be better suited for rabbits. The sport grew throughout Sweden, and several rapid jumping clubs were formed to support the growing interest. And I look here, in, the last, in last year's race, the losing rabbit lost by a hair. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they all lose by a hair. The loser becomes Hasenpfeffer. <laughs> I say Hasenpfeffer from Liechtenstein. The most venomous snake in the world. You wanted animals, we're talking animals. The most venomous snake in the world is the inland taipan. One bite could kill at least 100 grown men. Okay? And probably two of my size men. <laughs> Half grown. <laughs> so we all. The inland taipan sounds like something that you order in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I want to order one inland taipan. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the mood for Chinese food now. Go figure. Crows yeah, one puffer fish. <laughs> one, one puffer fish on the side. Um, crows are very smart. They're very crows are very annoying if you have gardens, but crows are also very smart. They're part of the Corvid family, not COVID, but Corvid, C-O-R-V-I-D family. And those songbirds include ravens, crows, jays, and magpies. They are among the most intelligent birds. Corvids have been known to mimic human voices and other sounds and enjoyed the confusion that results because of this. A zookeeper recounted the antics of pet magpies. Check this out. They learned how to imitate his call to the chickens to come and be fed. When the magpies got bored, they called the chickens, who came running in anticipating a treat. When the disappointed chickens went back to roost, the magpies called them again. And again and again, and the chickens, no match for clever magpies, fell for the ruse every single time. Oh, and they were having fun. They're probably just <laughs> laughing away up on some wire somewhere. Exactly. Look at the stupid chickens. Yeah. They haven't evolved yet. The magpies are, are, um, are uh, puffing on the puffer fish, and they're just having a great yeah. time with the chickens. Yeah. You know, I mean, the chickens are running around with McDonald's shirts on and uh, shirts that say, Chickens' Lives Matter. And the crows don't care. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> what do you think animals again? What do you think the world's deadliest animal is? You think it's like a shark or a bear or a snake or something like that? Yeah. Well, nope. According to the World Health Organization, the WHO, it is the mosquito. The mosquito kills 725,000 people die from the mosquito bite every year contracting malaria, dengue, and yellow fever. And, of course, it's the WHO, the huh. same uh, organization that said China had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Who? <laughs> oh, yeah. What a name for them. Yeah. <laughs> Who? It was more like what? You're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Happened today is history. What happens tomorrow is history. 
during the Roman times, you had gladiators fight to the death in the Colosseum. But did you know there were women gladiators, and they were called gladiatrix? Did you know that? No. They were called gladiatrix. They fought to the death. They fought just like the men. They killed, you know, they let lions loose, and the gladiatrix had to kill a lion in order to survive, you know. I heard that name, Gladiatrix. It sounded like some S&M sex thing to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did they have whips? Yeah, that whole Caligula thing. I saw that movie. They're sick. <laughs> Depraved. I like them. In an upcoming episode in the geography section, because that's one of the topics that we do, we're going to talk about the Coliseum, how they're renovating it. So we're going to be talking about that in, a, in future episodes, so stay tuned for more. And in another episode, me and Nick go back in time in a time machine to Rome to talk to some gladiatrixes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not whipped. <laughs> now, this is what I call the Pepsi Challenge. In the early 1990s, Pepsi owned... 17 submarines, a cruiser, a frigate, and a destroyer, all because of a deal with the Soviet Union in which they exchanged their soda for military equipment. This wasn't the first time that Pepsi sold soft drinks in return for flotilla. The soft drink conglomerate briefly owned the fleet under an unusual situation. The communist government bought some Pepsi, a product of capitalism, from a country that is considered its biggest rival. So, yeah, so Pepsi owned all this stuff. I wonder what would have happened, to, what the deal would have been if they wanted Coke instead. You know, could you imagine, though? Could you imagine, like, the the Russians, they go over to, like, Vladimir Putin. They're like, we need more Pepsi. And he's like, ah, frigate. <laughs> <laughs> they need something to mix the vodka with. Vodka and Pepsi. That's that. See, that's crazy but true. Folks, this is what you learn here on this show. Listen, laugh, and learn. Half a millennium before Christopher Columbus discovered America, Leif Erikson of Greenland landed on the island of Newfoundland. <laughs> Newfoundland. Say it, Nick. Newfoundland. <laughs> Not Newfoundland, okay. Newfoundland. Well, he landed there <laughs> in 1000 AD. Okay? And the Vikings made many trips and settlements in Canada and North America. So Columbus was kind of late to the show, but I guess he's the one who planted the flag. Yeah, you know what happened because he, he programmed his GPS the wrong way and it took him to the wrong exit. The young punk printer in 1722, the readers of The Current, a paper published in Boston, were captivated by letters sent in by a widow with a keen wit and a gift for satire, Mrs. Silence Duguid. In her letters... Mrs. Duguid poked fun at such illustrious institutions such as Harvard, therefore winning the hearts of many. For months, no one knew the identity of Mrs. Duguid. Turns out, Mrs. Duguid was actually 16-year-old Benjamin Franklin, who worked as an apprentice in his brother's print shop. Yeah, I knew that. that, yeah. that that's weird, because usually I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silence Duguid. Duguid for nothing. Thank God I have this show, Nick. Otherwise, I'd know nothing. Okay, here's this one is a little bit important, this next one. And I'll have to change my voice. Hans Schlaff was a master interrogator from the Nazi German army in World War II. That's, uh, that's ein zwei, World War II. 
<laughs> okay. This guy, Hans Schroff, was a master interrogator. He would get information out of hundreds of mostly pilots that crashed and because he was in the Luftwaffe. So he would get information from them. His method for getting this information out of an Ameri American and allied pilots and prisoners was simple. Nature walks. He took them on nature walks. He gave them homemade baked goods and homemade food. He actually drank beer with them and joked with them and had afternoon tea. And even at times, they had the pool parties. In the pool. We hang around the pool and go in the water. You tell me how many soldiers are on the other sides of the line. <laughs> okay. Now listen, this guy actually did this. Okay, sounds to me like I would fly my plane over Germany and crash it intentionally to have a vacation. Sounds like the Marriott in Tahiti. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Wow. Pope Gate, Pope Stephen VI, had his, his penultimate predecessor. That's a great alliteration, huh? Penultimate predecessor, Pope. I took um, penicillin for that once, too. <laughs> his, his predecessor, Pope Formus's, he took his remains... He dug them up and put the corpse on trial. With the corpse propped up on a throne, a deacon was appointed to answer for the deceased pontiff. The corpse was found guilty. As a punishment, they stripped him of his sacred vestments, deprived him of three fingers of his right hand, which is the blessed fingers, clad in the garb of just ordinary laymen, and quickly buried. It was then re-exhumed and thrown into the Tiber. The scandal ended, however, in Stephen's imprisonment and his death by strangling later that summer. Could you imagine they dug up the corpse, put him on trial, and then said, we sentence you to death. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it was worse than that. They, they stripped him of his, uh, of his garments, of his uh, papal garments, his sacred vestments, and, and dressed him in ordinary jeans. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Could you imagine the guy who was speaking for him? Yeah? Death? I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> and they took away... Deus, is ominous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In ancient Asia, elephants were trained... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, this, this one I couldn't believe. Elephants were trained as executioners. Okay. <laughs> They would actually train the elephants to stomp and walk over people that were laying in front of them to kill them as a form of uh, punishment for death. So they'd say you're, 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 you're guilty and the sentence is death and they'd bring out the elephant and the elephant would stomp you and run all over you, I guess. You know, in other words, the Asians, I guess they're not too smart. That's called an elephant just walking. <laughs> <laughs> you're not training them anything yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean if an elephant steps on you nick it's not good it's not a good situation no that's so, that's why the like, word the word squash was invented because you're squashed you know, by... i trained a car to run someone over <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work yeah that way. no <laughs> well done saint lawrence was roasted on a gridiron by the prefect of rome the legend says, as he was roasting here, cheerfully declared, quote, I'm well done on this side. Turn me over. <laughs> he says, turn me over. From this, St. Lawrence derives his patronage of cooks, chefs, 
and comedians. You're listening to Yeah, we're done with this one. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. That's where it is. I couldn't find it. A human organ that no one knew about has been hiding in plain sight. You thought they would discover, but no, all this time it was hiding. It's called mesentery. It connects the intestine. I had that too. (laughs) (laughs) Mesentery? (laughs) I got a little penicillin, and that's it. Yeah, high school with the great years of high school. Oh yeah. So this mesentery play with somebody's mesentery. <laughs> well, well, you'd have to go digging deep because this mesentery connects the intestine to the abdomen and is believed to perform important functions for the body, ranging from helping the heart to aiding the immune system. The good old mesentery. Oh wow! Don't mess with well, mesentery. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. See yep. now, now people, you, you're listening to the show. You, that's one of the ones that people are going to go around. The mesentery. It's a new organ. Oh. Um, where are we in science? That's, that's what the guy said. The guy sang. Okay. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most popular jingles that uh, our audience have told us they love that one. So that's why it was worth playing a second time. You were saying about science. Concentration. No, no, I wasn't saying (laughs) The great white shark (laughs) has multiple rows of teeth. Okay, we all now know that to replace teeth that fall out. But did you know that the great white shark's teeth are as strong as the strongest steel that we can make? Oh. So their teeth, why the hell they have extra rows? I mean, they're not going to (laughs) break. You know, one time... When I was in high school, when I was getting over mesentery, I kissed a girl with braces on. Yeah. That was interesting. She had metal teeth. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, note to self, um, do not become a shark dentist. You'll go out of business. Note to self, don't French kiss the girl with braces. <laughs> and he has the scars to prove it. Come out, come out, wherever you are. The Earth appears to have a whole new underground continent called Zealandia. The discovery isn't new, however. Some geologists have been arguing for its existence for many, many years. However, in 2017, a team of scientists concluded that Zealandia fulfills all the requirements to be considered a drowned continent. You want to taste, just use your tongue, right? After you use it with the uh, girl with the braces. (laughs) Well, wrong. The only reason we taste food is because of saliva. If there was no saliva, we wouldn't taste anything. The saliva breaks down the food so the tongue receptors can read it and understand what the flavor is. Or in the case of my wife's food, just awful. Oh, wow. I do it all the time, and she knows it's not true because she is a wonderful cook and the greatest person in the world, and I'm afraid of her. (laughs) I was going to say, your couch must be really, really comfortable. Really comfortable. (laughs) My next one I call Bloody Hell. Lungs do more than help us breathe. A surprising discovery has found they also make blood. The organ present in mammals, as we know, is believed to produce more than 
10 million platelets per hour. The lungs? The lungs produce blood. Wow. If Betelgeuse, the brightest star in the sky, is called Betelgeuse. If Betelgeuse becomes a supernova, it can explode, and it would light up our sky for more than two months straight. Now, it's like 900 million years away, but the supernova would explode with such brilliance that the light would keep shining for about two months or 60, 70 days. We would have no darkness, no nighttime, and it could happen any time because Betelgeuse is about to become a supernova. Could happen in a hundred years, could happen tomorrow, it could happen in a thousand years, but it will eventually become a supernova. I'll wait. So get some sleep now while you can. <laughs> before it's too bright that you can't. So we talked about monkeys before in the show and how they love to to suck on their leaves to get inebriated. But monkeys and their relationship with music, great apes, including chimpanzees and orangutans, have absolutely no appreciation of music whatsoever. None. Researchers have shown that they can't tell the difference between Beethoven and Bieber. And the music is all just meaningless to them. It just sounds like whatever. They have no appreciation whatsoever for music. Wow. So they, they, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So that, like, the whole thing, music uh, calms the savage beast is probably a lie. And of course, <laughs> no, no, uh, wait, wait, this just in. I just saw the, the last piece of information here. I missed it. The only music they do appreciate are from the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> they just love that last train of clocks, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Written by, um, what's his name? Um, Sweet Caroline. Oh, uh, Neil Diamond. <laughs> Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. Let's turn to Coxville. Wrote like three monkeys tunes, by the way. Wow. We'll put that on the music section. Yeah. It takes 60 seconds for a cell of oxygen or carbon dioxide to make a complete trip through the body. So it makes a complete round trip through the body within a minute. So you get it, right? It just goes from start to finish. So if you smoke pot, it takes one minute for that to get to your brain. I said if you smoke pot, it takes one minute. Did I say that already? So what you're saying to me is that it takes a minute (laughs) after you... I said if you smoke pot, it takes 60 seconds. Right. 60 seconds for what? Wow, man. I know, yeah. Like, whoa. You're listening to totally, like, radical... Like groovy, useless. The <laughs> information <laughs> with Nick and Roy. Anybody got a puff of fish? And now for something completely useless. A connecting band of tissue, such that is attaching a flexor tendon to the bone of a finger or toe, is called vinculum. A vinculum has actually two meanings. There's one. The other, in mathematics, the line between the two numbers in a fraction is called a vinculum. Oh, that's a cool one, guys. Okay, so the vinculum is the line that you make like in half, one line, two on the bottom is a half. Right. That line is called a vinculum. That's correct. And the other one is it's it's a connecting band of tissue that's attaching a flexor tendon to the bone of a finger or your toe. That is cool. Okay, cool one. 
Very good. Yep. There you go. And if you have an email you'd like to send us, we make it really easy for you because in case you smoke pot or something, we make it really easy. Not that we're suggesting that you do. www.nickandroy.com, man. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what was in the mail. Beverly from Norway. And boy, she's pretty. No, no, no. no. Beverly from Norway asked us if we could have a section on music. She writes, I love, I love your show. I would love to hear some interesting, nonsensical facts about music. And I said, wow, that's a good one. Why didn't we think of that? We, we listen to our listeners because... Pretty simply, we have no ability to come up with any really good ideas. So that's, that's why, why we we're useless. Folks, www.nickandroy.com. Go on, write us. We will research this stuff. We have the tools to do this. We will come up with the answers. So coming up in season four, uh, we will have music now. So do like Beverly and go on nickandroy.com. And you can be on the show as well. We'll use your name and we'll use your information and you'll be famous. That's right. And we'll track you down. That's www.nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? I love what you're wearing. Welcome to the Totally Useless Information Fashion Show. Like 20th century skirts, medieval tunic lengths moved up and down as the fashions changed. In the late Middle Ages, tunic. tunic that's what that's, I only see one. <laughs> how much? How much pot did you not smoke? In the <laughs> that's right. Actually, that's when people write me an email. They write tunic in the middle. <laughs> in the Middle Ages, tunics were very, very short, but only for those with. The worthiest buttocks, okay? Mm. In, in England, in, in 1463, if you're wearing short tunics, it revealed the male buttocks. They were restricted by law to the upper classes. Peasant posteriors were simply too vulgar to contemplate, let alone see. So, as restricted by law, they were these, these, <laughs> these short tunics. So they were for the upper class minus the C equals the ass. Right. They were for the upper asses <laughs> only for the worthiest buttocks. That was the criteria. Men. So who chose the worthy buttocks? I wouldn't want to be the worthy buttocks chooser. Maybe for women I would. I'd be like, okay, let's bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> now, in an interesting twist, the eunuchs didn't wear tunics. No, no. And the women with the very large dairy is like a Kardashian were called three nicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. During the Renaissance period, it was fashionable for women to shave off their eyebrows. Oh, completely shaven. Nowadays, it looks like some women are smuggling caterpillars on their faces. Have you seen this? Like these real like bushy. In in Russia, it's called the it's called the unibrow. <laughs> Did you ever see like now the models yeah. have? I mean, I have pretty bushy eyebrows. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like those models, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like a it's a chia eyebrow. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm taking pictures now, selfies and selling them. And- yeah, of course. Um, so bombasting was the thing. Ladies, if you stuff your bras, feel no shame. Your impulse to pad out your clothing has some historical significance. Popular during the Elizabethan era, men and women used to bombast their sleeves to create large leg of mutton arms. Okay? Leg of mutton arms. Men would also bombast their shirts to create a filled-out belly, a symbol of prosperity at the time. So you're in. You got the bushy eyebrows and the bulging belly. Exactly. My wife calls me a bombastard all the time. (laughs) Yeah, wait till you show up with a shortened tunic. That'll really freak her out. There you go, because I got a good one. (laughs) That's right. His is a worthy buttock. You can make over 200 pairs of jeans out of one bale of cotton. For supermodels, maybe you can make 200 pairs of jeans out of one bale of cotton. For me, you make maybe one pair of jeans out of one bale of cotton. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the, how big a bale of cotton is that you can make 200 pairs of jeans? That's a lot of cotton. Wow. Powdered wigs... Many people will recognize the powdered wigs in the Middle Ages, but not many are familiar with their tie to syphilis. Back then, many of those in the upper and middle classes had syphilis, which produced some raunchy smells and not to mention baldness. Okay, I'm bald. I don't have syphilis, okay? For the record. You should have took care of that in high school. Put a little penicillin. You had hair in high school. See what happened? That's right. In, well, I told you, in high school, I was voted most likely to recede. To yeah. cover the smell, many people wore goat, horse, or human hair wigs called perukes. The wigs were powdered in scents like lavender and orange to cover the stink coming from down below. The trend... Ah, this is so bad. I can't <laughs> take this. The trend caught on when Louis XIV started wearing them. And yes, he had syphilis too. Now, uh, I'm, I'm of Italian origin. My family comes from southern Italy. And the word for wig is parrucchi. And as I'm doing the research for this, uh, for this uh, segment, I'm thinking perukes. That's where the dialect where my family comes from, which is southern Italy. In that dialect... That's where they got the word wig from. La peruque is what we would say it comes from perukes. There you go. I learned something on our own show. See? So in Italy, they had loads of syphilis too. I no, they-, <laughs> they were in a bunch of <laughs> To cover the smell, they used goat, horse, and human hair to cover. So you could, Nick, you could- don't repeat it a second time because I'm, I smoked pot and I'm stoned. <laughs> you ruined it. You killed my buzz, man. <laughs> Had the Doritos set up and everything. There you go. Not, not that we're sponsored by Doritos, a delicious treat. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not stoned, really. We're not. We're not. You ever see uh, Nick? Nick sometimes raps as a joke, and he says he wears his pants down and so on. Mm-hmm. So you, you see these street thugs and rappers, and Nick, of course, <laughs> wearing their pants low down on their waist. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Do you know how that started as a fashion statement? In L.A., in prisons, they were not allowed to have belts. So most of the time, the guys would be walking and their pants would fall down past their underwear, but not past their hips. And so they would just leave them there because they didn't care. 
and it became almost like a cool street cred fashion statement to wear your pants like a prisoner. I guess I don't know why you'd want to do that. You know, where I come from, you'd be like, hey, that Rhodes Scholar, he's really smart. But when you're from L.A., you're like, yo, you want to wear your pants like the prisoners? Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Show your Calvin Klein's. Yeah, my God. That's right. Unless, of course, you have one of the worthiest buttocks. Exactly. Then you just throw on a tunic. Remember the song on Yankee Doodle Dandy, how he stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Macaroni. The lyric is in reference to the young Frenchmen in the 1750s. Your favorite, the Frenchmen. Don't you love the French? Oh, yes. They're wonderful. Love their fries. (laughs) The young Frenchmen from the 1750s (laughs) took the Italian fashion to the extreme. The most notable element of macaroni fashion was a huge wig with a tiny hat with a feather on top, but it also included flashy waistcoats, bright stockings, and fancy buckled shoes. And called it macaroni. Really? I walked around with a cannelloni uh, <laughs> shell uh, in high school. Is that what you called it? The <laughs> hey, want to check out my cannelloni? Yo, <laughs> Is it cheese-filled? No, it's meat-filled. It's meat-filled stuffed manicotti. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. There you go. Do you know that lipstick is the most common item found in the makeup store? You know me and Nick know nothing about cosmetics because we go to the makeup store. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I go to the makeup store all the time. What's a good makeup store? Um, I it's a store that I told. This is how pathetic are we? I don't know. We are so pathetic. But usually, when you get isn't there one called Ulta? There's one called Ulta. Not that we're sponsored by Ulta, a no. great cosmetic store. <laughs> yeah, I know. But lipstick is the number one item in the makeup store. But did you know that lipstick is made from? Get ready, ladies. This is going to change it for you predominantly made from fish scales. It is the number one ingredient in lipstick. I hate the taste of lipstick. I literally hate it. For 36 years, my wife does not kiss me when she's wearing lipstick. It's crazy. I I despise it. And now I know why. Who the hell likes eating fish scales? Yeah, that's why. (laughs) Maybe that's where the expression fish lips came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, fresh lips. <laughs> well, compliment when you say that to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you very much. Oh, we're having so much fun. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. On the show today, you heard about uh, animals and history, science and fashion. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is T. remember the meatloaf song I'll do anything for love a Mexican man named Alberto took a page out of meatloaf's songbook Alberto was a bricklayer from Tijuana and he met the woman of his dreams Pamela she was married they had an affair and to hide the affair Alberto dug a tunnel not just your ordinary garden variety type of tunnel he dug a huge passageway that he would use between his house and Pamela's house. And it worked until Jorge, Pamela's husband, was away from work, but he came home early and discovered that something was moving behind the couch. And so he went through the, and what did he find? He found a big gaping mouth of Alberto's tunnel. 
That sounds rude. Jorge plunged himself into the hole and eventually emerged into Alberto's home. He confronted his wife. Things escalated and Alberto and Jorge ended up in a fist fight. Local news sources reported that no one was arrested. Cops were eventually called to calm down the situation. But Alberto and Pamela, their affair came to an end. So, so this is happening in Mexico where building a tunnel is like a daily thing to get to the United States. So Pamela and Jorge were doing the, the Tijuana Mambo. Pamela and Alberto were doing the Tijuana Mambo. Oh, okay. When so Alberto would come through the hole, so to speak, mm-hmm. and when, when Jorge was at work. Yes. And then he would be doing the Tijuana Mambo with Pamela. And then when Jorge came home, he'd slip into the hole again and find his way home, so to speak. Right. This is a dirty tale, Nick. It is. Oh, I mean, yeah. He was Because you got to dig through dirt. So the whole thing is dirty. It is. And he was... Dirty because both Jorge and what's the other guy's name? Alberto. They were both playing around in the same hole. <laughs> <laughs> they were. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> we will scour the internet and gather more useless information for you next time. Yes. You do yourself a favor and visit our website, www.nickandroy.com, for a full library of episodes. It's nickandroy.com. It can't be more simple. Plus, leave us a message so that you can get onto the show. So, also, tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.